Hello, wisdom keepers and light bringers of the world. Welcome to the Rise Collective Podcast. I'm your host, Carrie Jordan, and I'm honored to facilitate a place for us to gather and hear the stories and wisdom from our relations. Thank you for being here. This podcast is listener supported, and we ask that if you find value in these episodes, that you make a donation on our website, therisecollective.org, in service of our continued learning and community building. Before we begin, let's welcome the guardians and gatekeepers. We humbly ask for your protection and assistance today. May our listeners hear what they need to hear in service of their highest good. And so it is. Clan mother Huan Anwa is a Metis elder. She is a teacher of mixed Mayan and Cherokee descent, and she's an adopted Shumash who leads ceremony in the central coast of California. She's a spiritual leader of Circles of Empowerment, and you can find out more about Circles of Empowerment at circlesofempowerment.org. In addition to the long dance and full moon circle, which she leads in Arroyo Grande, Hua also offers classes, teachings, services, and counseling to a wide variety of audiences, individuals, and to her extended community. Hua is also a shamanic healer, and in that capacity, she works with powerful sacred tools, teachings, and medicines that have been passed down to her through the decades. Hua uses special eyes and other clear senses to clean up what is not theirs, that which has gotten in the way. Through the ancient practice of energetic feather doctoring, Hua offers a cleansing ritual for the benefit of restoring harmony between the person she's working with and their relationship with the outer world. She helps people be in right relationship and to experience a healing. Welcome to the show, Hua. Thank you. Thank you. I'm really honored and excited to interview you today. And I am honored and excited to be here with you today. (laughs) Yeah, so I just read your bio, and I'd love for you just to give us an introduction about your work in the world and your background. Uh, Sure. Well, the bio pretty much spoke to that. You know, I'm just, uh, you know, all of us have got this inner pull, this inner guidance to, to be all that we can be and so on and so forth, and You know, and uh, mine has moved me into this uh, spiritual leadership and uh, providing ceremony for the people, Um, providing sacred space so that that space can be utilized by an individual for spiritual expression. Uh, So important uh, these days for folks to have environments that they can uh, express themselves uh, from their spiritual core. So that that seems to be uh, the work that I'm doing uh, today and in the world is is providing that inside of the the vessel of community. Uh, I'm not alone in doing that. I have wonderful support inside of my intimate community and my broader community to 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 run these sacred ceremonies and uh, to provide them and help them exist and manifest in the world. So that's my main work besides being a human being and 
coping with this world and uh, holding myself inside of it. Mm-hmm. What would you say led you to this work? How, did you grow up um, with this cosmology that you work with today? Oh, oh, okay. Well, no, I was born into a beautiful Roman Catholic uh, family, which, you know, uh, Catholicism is quite ritualistic as well, and so that really served me for as long as it did. But just like most of us, just being the black sheep inside of my family wanted had a had a different inquiry mm-hmm. in the world, knew magic in the world and pursued looking for that. And I found that magic through through ceremony. So uh yeah, I always was growing up a healer, healing, you know, animals and you know, neighborhood kids bringing me wounded animals and always looking to heal my world and what was around me. So that graduated into, I guess, around high school, I really started to seek out uh, the different uh, expressions of creator and studied, you know, studied them, uh, Hinduism, Buddhism, um, you know, Wicca, uh, you know, Vudan, just all those four four directions, even some of the human potential movements of uh of of uh, uh here in america you know uh landmark uh, uh, t- uh right. med- transcendental meditation all those things that were available for our uh, our growth our human growth metaphysics oh I love metaphysics and <laughs> you know uh Me too. all that that uh that really called me to explore. I was quite adventurous in the expressions of uh, of creator. Mhm. And how did you focus in on the red road? Right, right. So at the time I was a metaphysician and uh still having a lot of gods on my shelf going, Well, you know I have to really focus in on something. This was pre pre children. Uh pre Rebirthing my daughter, all that, and uh, so I got invited to um, a sweat lodge uh, and to be introduced to Grandfather Semu Hu Wutei, and uh, that that was it. The red path resonated in my blood, in my bones, and I had memories coming up, and I. God, that that the native blood that was within me rang with um, ancient memories and ways of being. That that was it. That was it. I I just uh, you know I, I I knew that this was my path, so I dove into that uh, and studying with Semu, with grandfather Semu and learning uh the sweat lodge ceremony from clan my clan mother and uh just immersed in red path and native traditions 
and uh, yeah, and put on that coat, and it felt real good. Mm, I just got chills. I loved when you said your your native blood rang with ancient memories and ways of being. Mm. That's beautiful. Mm. And a lot of your work now has to do with the long dance. I know that you wrote wrote a book last year, or maybe it was two years ago, actually, about the long dance. And um, can you talk more about what that is and the impact that it has in your community? Oh, absolutely. It's it's a wonderful book. If you ain't on Amazon and all that, but it's uh, yeah. called Sisters of the Dance, and it uh, was written on our 25th anniversary. I didn't write it. A sister in our community uh, wrote it and put it all together, and it was a wonderful labor of love on her part, and a couple of individual parts to, to pull it together, and and all the stories in this book really speak to to the core of it. I mean, long dance is certainly the the the, the blueprint it laid inside of, but uh, uh, in a greater perspective, is what ceremony gave these women the changes mm-hmm. they were able to make in their lives, the movements, how they utilized this ceremony to change to change to a greater, beautiful, brighter self. And uh, I just, um, I'm, I'm just blown out that uh, this wee little ceremony, well, it's, I'm in my 27th year now, but started all those many years ago, you know, have really uh, allowed a safe place for women to heal themselves from the, um, dominant uh, patriarchal society and all the woundings that women get through that, being inside of this vessel to this liberation and freedom and and greater, uh, a greater, more powerful life inside of themselves. And, uh, yeah, so, yeah, that book, Sisters of the Dance, mm-hmm. that was excellent. Yeah, it sounds like a really powerful ceremony. Can you talk about the the history of the ceremony? Uh, sure, sure. Well, uh, 27 years ago, so that was, you know, I think the seed part was in uh, Sedona at the Harmonic Convergence. I was there with my bestie, girlfriend, uh lead firekeeper Pekata and we went to a long dance there and it was men, women and children long dance. Mm. And uh and I went, Wow you know, that seed on the drive home from Sedona, uh we talked about, you know, wow, what if that was just all women? We could give women a really safe place. To do their healing, and um, and so anyway, we came back, and at the time, uh, uh, I was in my. We had an inner circle um, of sisters that we met on the dark moon every month, and we proposed it to this inner circle, and we said, yeah, let's do it. So we did it, you know. We, 
you know, very, mm-hmm. very, very new and very, that first year was amazing. It was an amazing birthing year for long dance. Yeah, we drove there, and it was storms and thunder and lightning. It was way in the outback, you know. And we're like, oh, my God. <laughs> the ceremony, here it is out there. And, oh, my God, how are we going to light a fire for the sweat lodge, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, we got through it. And when the sun rose and we were all still standing in circle and being washed clean from the evening, it was, wow, this was cool, and that was it. We thought, okay, we did it, that's it. But the next year, the drums started beating again for it, so we did it again, you know, and and then the next, and then the next, and we just kept going at it, you know, and just every year we did this line dance, and it kept growing and moving. It was alive, and 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 in it we discovered there was a goddess governing the ceremony, and that she became alive inside of me, and she directed me, and I had to lean back into this goddess for trust because, you know, it was huge, and and there was a lot of what ifs, and we just kept trusting, and and it's like uh, the fool in the tarot deck, you know, we just left off that precipice, you know, every year <laughs> we just left off. I mean, at points in the process, you know, I. I used to hit a wall like, oh, my God, am I crazy? What am I doing here? (laughs) (laughs) You know, anything could happen here, but it didn't, and it has continued to be safe. And we polish, and we make sure it's safe, and physically, physically safe, but energetically safe for these sisters to come into the ceremony and and to to do the, the, the personal healing work and to be in their Artemis, be in their warrior self, you know. And then, mm. uh, and then you know, it got to where we just had, you know, we got that there was this 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 male component, this this balancer, that, you know, we we got that we were just like kind of minimizing, mm. and it's such an extraordinary extraordinary important piece in in our life. So we invited brothers to hold space for us to help protect us to make sure our high ceremony was not uh, invaded or disturbed and to hold that energetic balance for us. And so through the line dance, we have developed, we developed uh, Thunder Lodge, which is the Brothers Lodge. And they, they show up hard. They help us with, you know, manpower, you know. They can help us dig our pits and, you know, carry our, our big heavy loads and be safe. I love that. Yeah, yeah, a brotherhood that is safe for these women. I mean, women show up, they've been raped, they've been abused, they've been beat up at at the hands of the patriarch. And so these brothers just show up brilliantly and beautifully and gently and safe just so these women know that they're is such a thing as a safe male, mm. a safe brother that will not intrude or, or, or and be sublimely supportive in the work. And uh, it's a great healing for these sisters to to see that reflection and they carry our balance. So um, Yeah, how far along 
I have two questions. How far along, you said you've been doing it for about 27 years, and so how far along were you when you decided that you needed that male energy? And the second part to that is um, how has it changed from before you incorporated that to after? Right. Well, in the beginning, uh, I think it was our second year, uh, we had one little brother. We had mm-hmm. one little brother. <laughs> and he was a young young person. He was in his teens, and he stopped PG&E, a PG&E truck from coming in and disturbing us. It was wonderful. But from that... Wow. You know, so it was just like two or three little brothers, you know, that were going to hang out and and hold space. And it just kept growing and evolving organically. Mm. I wouldn't say there was a start and finish line to it. It just kept growing organically to now we have, you know, um, as much as 30 brothers in that lodge. Wow. And they do their work. They're having their their sweat lodge. They're having their elder leadership inside of it. You know, so they're doing their work over there, too. Beautiful. Yeah. Um, now that we've heard about the long dance, I'd love to shift our conversation into something more about the cultural appropriation um, conversation. And... I just want to give a little background. Before our call, you and I were talking, and um, I asked you a question, and you said something like, you need to be careful that you're um, showing respect to your elders and not asking too personal questions. And in my experience of you, it seems like you have a really high value for the privacy and... um, the sacredness of your experience and your medicine, and that um, is a common thread in my experience in the Native community. And so um, I want to talk sort of organically with you about this, about um, what – there's a few parts. So what are your thoughts on cultural appropriation? What are your thoughts about white people following – the Red Road, and I also want to get into the protocols and, like, the, um, mm. um, like, correct ways of conducting oneself mm. um, in these, in the context of these ways. Yeah, 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 and and it's wonderful that uh, uh, other ethnicities, like white people and and like that, can have those considerations as they walk into another's culture. And so cultural appropriation is just an issue with Native people, First Nation people, you know. It's just mm-hmm. a huge issue with them. And uh, in as far as I'm concerned, my, my ceremonies are open, you know. I figure... All our blood is red. Mm-hmm. And when the boat people got here to this turtle island, we should have gave them our spirituality freely. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, you know, maybe they wouldn't have been so greedy. 
Um, what needs to happen, I think, is a great sensitivity. I mean, you know, some people come to ceremony and they do it once and they think they can go and build them a sweat lodge and pour water. Right. Like, you know, when we know that we have to go through certain protocols to even get to that place that someone would hand us a dipper or hand us a pitchfork that we or, or load load those ancient elders into a fire. You know, it isn't instant potatoes. And a lot of folks have raised been raised with instant potatoes. Oh, I've been there, done that, I can do that. Mm. You know, right now, I just did it once, but, you know, I'm qualified. You know, a lot of this, these people, I'm sure, that went to Standing Rock and went to a sweat lodge once, went home, built a sweat lodge in their backyard and started doing it, you know. There's, it's, that, 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 that's not cool. That is not cool. Mm. What we want is for the the people of all, all, all colors to come together inside of our ceremonies, but uh, you know, if you're really interested in it, if I have a little one in my community, it doesn't matter to me what color they are, they're truly interested in these ways and truly want to lead, truly want to pour water, or truly want to work a sacred fire, that I'm going to give that young person an opportunity to train. You know, you, we train four years before you can pour water. Some people do. I do. Mm. So we train we train the fire keepers because that's our living being, that's our mesa, that's our our sacred place. We train that fire. I don't just throw somebody cold on that fire, you know, they get a training before they get in there. And then the fire has an opportunity to meet and greet that individual, to to care for that individual, to communicate with that individual so that the fire trains them. You know what I'm saying? We give these these, these things time. It's not as the potato body. Add hot water and go, go, go. No, 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 no. There are other considerations here. There's other considerations to be inside of ceremony or lead ceremony or do any of that business. If you are naturally inclined to do that, then absolutely you know, get get up with somebody that can train you properly, give you all the nuances, all the different different layers and levels of that sacred ceremony, which is sweat lodge, right? Mm. It's it's it can be a it's a cauldron, and you've got to take care of that that core energy that's in there, and uh, sometimes that's folks complain about me is that I have a lot of rules, but it isn't that. It's I have a lot of, there are a lot of boundaries inside of a vessel so that it's safe. So it's safe for the people. I mean, right, some years back, this guy went and killed two or three people inside of a sweat because he was foolish. He was covering mm-hmm. his sweat lodge with plastic. He was the he dehydrated the people before he even brought them in. I mean, it was like foolish. These mm-hmm. people thinking they were going to get this wonderful, high spiritual experience. Well, they got the ultimate experience, didn't they? And it was it was these things that give that ceremony, 
you know, a hard name, you know, uh, you know, it should be safe. Should be the right. most safest place to be. And so, how how do you know? How do you know this? And you know this through training and the discipline of that training. So, uh, I I want to say to everybody, come on, you want to explore sweat? Come on over. You can explore the sweat. But don't think you can do one sweat and go put one on yourself. Don't don't even. Uh, but etiquette is, uh, I, I have a class out there, Ceremony 101. I, I was, I saw this. I saw that my white sisters were coming into Ceremony wall-eyed, not present because they were afraid they were going to mess up. You know, they were they didn't know the etiquette of the ceremony. They didn't know how to protect themselves inside of that ceremony in that energetic vessel. They didn't know what to do, how to prepare to come to sweat, how to prepare. So I put together this class, Ceremony 101, because I wanted a woman to come to ceremony present and prepared and in her power. Mm. And so, so it sounds like you're finding that when people don't know the right thing to do, they're just not present and they're not, they don't. And they can get hurt and damaged or that they can um, uh, cross boundaries and right. create a situation for themselves that's not cool around Native people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what are, you know. Oh, just, what were you going to say? So they get inside of it and assume they can do this, that, and the other thing. And they don't right. have proper etiquette and protocols. So, so yeah, yeah, there is a need for for that for that education. If you don't know what you're doing, don't do it. Period. So, right. Yeah, etiquette is so important. You know, reverence, humility. You know, you come to those those ceremonies in that way. Yeah. Mhm. Yeah, reverence and humility. I. I like those as baselines. What are some other examples of um, beyond sweat lodge of um, um, ways to incorporate reverence, humility, and respect in how we ask questions um, or how we show up in community? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, And so... I mean, you're welcome to ask questions. I'm, I'm open to questions, but appropriately, not when I'm in the middle of trying to throw throw out a ceremony out there and I'm really busy, you know. You you ask for a counsel. Hey, can I come in and, and counsel with you and sit down with you and and that sort of thing. We're not we're not past that, you know. You it's really simple, the passing of a tobacco. It's a very simple concept. If you want to ask something, a service of a Native person, uh, like a council, can I come and visit you and talk to you like that? You you would pass tobacco. And the passing of the tobacco gives the medicine person the opportunity to turn it down or to accept it. And uh, so it's this this reciprocity that needs to occur inside of the teachings. Um, 
So if you don't know, find out. And uh, educate yourself. Read. You know, uh, um, show up. Show up and then show up again and then show up again. And in five years, you're going you're gonna to clearly, clearly know what to do. You know, but show up. If you find that Red Path, that the, the, the Native Way is your expression, rings your bell, opens your heart center, you feel find yourself in a Native community that loves you, that moves you, you know, I, I always say leave it better than you found it. So the next time you come around there, you're going to be recognized. Oh, yeah, yeah, she moved all that wood. Oh, yeah, yeah, she did that. She always... You know, she stays to the end and makes sure the kitchen's cleaned up and all like that, you know. Wow. Right. Uh, so so leave it better than you found it whenever you go to these ceremonies. Be of service however you can. Support it. It'll support you. It will mm-hmm. move you. And so, mm-hmm. yeah, show up, little one. That's That's the best way. That's what I did. I showed up. I listened. I sat down. I was in service, I fetched coffee, I made dinner, and just showing up that way and uh, learned what I learned. And eventually I was being acknowledged and recognized and got handed a dipper, you know. Yeah, I I would say that showing up for the past however many, I don't know how many years, but... um, Showing up for me and doing things wrong and being corrected has helped me learn a lot and has helped me um, just give built my character in a lot of ways um, to be told, no, that's not how you do it. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Hopefully you got a lead that's going to be gentle with you on that, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, 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 yeah. We, you know. No, 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 we don't do it that way. No, no, don't cross that line, you know. Yeah, and also asking asking for help if you don't know how to do something. Absolutely. Asking someone else in the community or an elder. Mm-hmm. And don't help. assume. Right, don't assume. Yeah. That's probably That's, the most important thing. Another faux pas is a, is going from one one sweat lodge ceremony to an entirely different sweat lodge ceremony and assume that they're going to run it the same way as the other one you're coming from. Right. Because every house is different. Right? Right. And yeah, you really have to be present and be observing what people are doing. And... Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And, and, and personally, you know, in the 101 class, I really speak to CYA. You know, you. You know, cover your ass. Right. Sure that you have tobacco offerings in your car when you arrive. Maybe, maybe a food offering to the kitchen. Maybe some wood to the fire. You know, have something that you can offer and support the 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 event in if you've never been to this event before, and 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 then have your protection, your personal protections on. Have your center and your grounding going on as you walk into. A, Perhaps, you know, maybe an Aztec wedding ceremony that you've never done before. You know, whatever that is, you know, make sure that you are covered, that you are protected, 
that you are in and dress code appropriate, that you are in all these things so that you're 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 strong. Don't go from one house to another thinking that uh, you know the same thing applies. There is some generic aspects to it, but you know, could be a different different show. Right. Yeah, I really like what you said before about reverence and humility and respect and being prepared and educating yourself. Absolutely. And I appreciate a question that comes in 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 humility, you know. I appreciate someone approaching me. Is it appropriate? Ba, 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 ba. And I'll go, oh, great. She's not assuming, you know? Mm-hmm. I love that. Piece. Yeah, I think you really have to put, um, well, I'll say I think people really need to put their egos aside when they step into um, a new community. Yeah, because, you know, there's community yeah. out there that are in the uh, – festival communities, you know, so they come into a ceremonial community and think they can be all that that they were in festival community, completely different houses, totally different, you know. Right. And uh, so I have a lot, uh, you know, not a lot, but that that issue does come forward uh, when you have these festival kids coming into your ceremony and they just think that there are no boundaries and that it's all love and light, you know? Right, because festivals have this um, this feeling of flamboyance and, like, extreme self-expression, and whereas ceremony is more about, and no like we said, humility and modesty. Yeah, you know, modesty for the elders, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're, you know, yeah. Uh, that seems to be, uh, in, in talking to my colleagues, you know, they seem to have the same issues as just this festival mentality coming to our ceremonies. And, uh, yeah, it's a big issue. How do you, how do you deal with that? I approach them. Cover up. Just right. Please cover up. You know, <laughs> yeah, in their face. You know, excuse me, are you stoned? You know, did you mm-hmm. come to the ceremony stoned? That's you know, no, this is a sober event. You know, we asked you to be sober at least a minimum of twenty four hours before you come to ceremony. You don't mix medicine that way. You come in sober to these ceremonies. You know, so you know they'll have me up in my face, or they'll have one of my firekeepers, you know, talking to. Them. You know, right. Hey, what's up? You need to cover up, you know. Mm. You know, there's elders here. You need to cover cover up. Quit sharing around like you do. <laughs> sharing around. So what are your thoughts about combining the sacred with everyday modern life? And I'm wondering if that's a struggle for you and how you manage it. And, um, mm. yeah, I'm going to start there. Well, it's not a problem for me, honey, at my age. I mean, mm. You know, it's just what it is. If you've right. ever been to my home, you can see it all over my walls. But um, I think that living a sacred life needs to be inside of our modern lives even more so. So... 
combining the sacred with everyday modern life every time you have a meal. Bless your meal. Give offerings, give, a, give, give something to the Earth Mother for providing that meal for you. Anytime you're going to approach your dream time, have a prayer, have a thought towards your dream time. Anytime you wake up in the morning, you want to acknowledge your day. Anytime that you have a good friend over, acknowledging the sacred bond between you and your friend. This can, it's easily woven into a modern life, sweetheart. It's when you're distracted by the doings of all the human, humanity. It's when it pulls you from who you are. You are a, 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 a sacred being having a human life. Do not let that, that mass humanity steer you from your sacred core self. So it isn't hard it's about being awake and conscious through your day, you know, and, you know, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I guess the yogis try to attain with each breath. It's kind of hard to do when I'm sitting down to a good steak. <laughs> I can be grateful for that steak. Mm-hmm. You know, I can be grateful for that breath. I can be grateful for my life, and it can weave through the day. You know, holding the same, you know, having an altar that you can burn a candle for a good friend that in need or a relative or someone that you love or for an event, you know, when a bunch of people die in a burned up building, you can burn a candle for their spirit journey. Mm. Right? We can be a, 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 a web of light in a, in this in in the entire world of humanity we can engage with all those that have deep prayers in their hearts every day every day every day it's an excuse excuse me it's an excuse it's an excuse the so, mod that we got distracted i'm having a hard time being sick yeah. my life you know please Right. <laughs> yeah. So, I think that's Yeah. True. Every day, best you can. Doing the best you can. So the people that come to you for healings and guidance, um, what are they often I'm wondering if they're if they ever struggle with that bringing the sacred into our, you know, our busy lives, or are they struggling with sort of a whole host of things that you can help them with? Oh, sure. Oh, sure. Um, They're individuals with individual life expressions and lessons to learn and wounds and injuries and stuff to deal with. Absolutely, as broad as broad as as the creator can be, humans have their different distinctions. Um, so, uh, in my healing practice, I know I know for 
for sure in a lifetime we have been wounded, we have been attached, we have been bound up by others, we have um, our hearts are filled with uh, uh, wounds and uh, from a shamanic point of view I can uh, see a human being and you know, from surgeries and leaking and all these things that you see in a human being. So, shamanically, I can go in and address those, uh, pull out those dark arrows that have been shot in that person, those backstabs, those, all those things that is in a human's, human's life, right? Mm-hmm. And once those are removed and they're from the past, right? that person can now have more energy available to them to lead their life, to walk into their life. Of course, they have to do their homework. It's not like, oh, let's go see Hua and everything's hunky-dory from here on out. You know, I can do a lot of unburdening, but that individual has to do their homework to to, to complete the healing, Right. Uh, you know, you've got a lot of victim victim stuff going on. So you've got to not be a victim anymore, you know, uh, mm. that sort of thing. So, uh, yeah. Sounds like boundary boundary work and um, ener- work around um, making sure that the energetic body is working properly. Yeah, well, you know, in, in Soul Retrieval, we knew that there, there were little ones. There were tiny human beings. There were babies when all this business happened to them. They didn't know right. any better. Mm-hmm. Right? And then in some cases, it's past life. Um, generational lineage karma. And then right now, you're seeing a lot of global workers, and they take on global issues, you know. We've got to unburden them or speak to to having a balance inside of their global work, you know making the distinctions, what's theirs and what's the world's and then what's God's, you know, sort of making these distinctions so that they're not mm, taking on. Taking everything on. Yeah, that's not theirs and assuming it's theirs, you know what I'm saying? So really bringing them into that awareness to really check in. Check in what's going on here and making sure that it's not theirs. Or maybe it is their business and they had to take care of it. You understand? Like that. Yes. Like that. Yeah, that seems really important, especially with everything that's going on in the world right now. Um, and Hua, you wanted to talk a little bit more about the long dance and invite our listeners to come. Yeah. Right? All right, sisters, come to long dance. So... This year is going to be our uh, our 27th year, and the tag that we got is 27 is like heaven. And so <laughs> what's really beautiful about this year, and of course we celebrate it in a primary direction around the medicine wheel. We have five-year cycles. This year's cycle is the south direction, and it's going to be September 21st through the 24th during the equinox. It's always Beautiful. around the equinox. And, um, 
you know, we have a very special year this year. We are we have moved to another site that is sublime and beautiful and amazing, and uh, so we're very excited uh, to be at this new site in Cambria, California. So we will be located on the central coast of California in Cambria this year. And the closest airport would be San Luis Obispo. And so you would go to circles, plural, circlesofempowerment.org and or longdance.org. And we will be having the registration open up in the next week or two. We'll have registration available. At the Circle site, you can sign up for the newsletter, and that'll give you, uh, you know, we don't abuse that. You know, we have a quarterly newsletter, and it's brief, and we just send out what our doings are, what our ceremony dates are, like that. And so in, in, in that newsletter, you will find the link to the registration. Beautiful. And, yeah, if you're moved to... to to come and and join up with a bunch of girls, <laughs> being strong, dance and prayer. So uh, yeah, and you can always you can always connect to me personally if you want. Uh, you know, you want a healing session or or you want to join the class at info at circlesofempowerment.org. So you can use that email. Great. So it sounds like um, to get more information about Long Dance, sign up for the newsletter at circlesofempowerment.org and you'll receive the registration information. And you can also email in your inquiries to Hua and her email is info at circlesofempowerment.org. Yep. Well, I feel really grateful, Hua, for your time today. All right. Well, Terry, you know, come and be with me. Yes, I will. I'm I'm looking forward to seeing you again sometime soon and um Okay. Yeah, thanks again, Hua.